Competitive Couple, a podcast where we cover great games to play on your tabletop as a twosome. I'm Charlotte Collins and with me is Jamie Chad. Good afternoon. Noon. It's good noon. When recording what, you, this. what you didn't see is you just had to check then what the time was. It's good it's noon. Not quite it's, sure. It's that kind of twelve between twelve and twelve thirty time. It's good noon to you. Good noon to you too. Good noon. How are you? How have you been? Um, I'm great. I'm fantastic. I'm looking forward to recording this May edition of the podcast. This is podcast number four. 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 I want to say four. Four is pretty immense because we missed one. <laughs> We're only one month behind. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah, I'm excited. How how are you on this sunny slash thunderstormy day? Yeah, it's isn't that really weird, awkward bit where it's like really hot and muggy. Anyway, this isn't the weather podcast, so I'm not gonna chat to you too much about weather. (laughs) Jamie just looked really disappointed. He's like, oh, the weather feature. Your weather section. This is England. Usually, our small talk is based on the weather. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) Weather update. It's weird. Okay, there we go. So coming up in this podcast. Uh, we'll be chatting about all the new games we've played this month. Play another round of a gullible gamer. One see... new. <laughs> to see if Jamie can fool me into believing his made-up game is real. And we'll end the episode with a bit of a discussion about our board gaming bugbears. All the little things that can rub you up the wrong way around the games table. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, indeed. Ooh. Okay, so games we've played this month. Should we... Charlotte, tell me about Bunny Kingdom. Bunny Kingdom. Well, it's a 2017 card drafting and area control game for two to four players where you're leading your clan of rabbits to victory by gathering resources and building new cities across the kingdom. I think it's a delightful game. <laughs> Smart rabbits. <laughs> you weren't so sure, were you? Because it has these parchments and treasure cards that you kind of collect as you go along that are kind of kept hidden until the end of the game and they kind of are points toward your score they're golden carrots which is the the victory point kind of system in bunny kingdom and i really i like them because i think it can make it kind of all to play for a little bit or like it's still a little bit mysterious because in a way it reminds me of lords of Waterdeep, where you have your kind of uh character don't you that has kind of secret agenda that's going on and I quite like having those things but you weren't so sure were you? I, I really enjoyed Bunny Kingdom I liked the mechanics I liked the drafting control bit where you weren't quite sure you know where you could actually plop your bunnies down um, the the bonus points things compared to the games you just mentioned I wasn't so keen on this one because they just randomly still come up towards the whole length of the game so whether in Waterdeep and Suburbia um, you start with those objectives and you can build towards them in Bunny Kingdom you might well pick up a card in the last round says gain seven points for each kingdom of this type and you might look at the board and go oh i've got four of those kingdoms great i bank those 20 points and yeah. that might just it's a bit of a lucky draw compared to those games i suppose what it needs is something a bit like in um great western trail where if you don't complete them then it's points knocked yeah. off it does have a good balance like I, you said this before where if you do take one of these cards you are sacrificing the the that turn to put down a bunny and control yeah, exactly. some area but it's not enough to really make me think that, the, that you can get quite lucky at some points and just pick up these cards but I don't think it's all entirely luck because I I would often pick them up because I thought oh well I really don't want Jamie to get this yeah because because obviously with the card drafting you're passing that hand on to the other player and yeah, it's, absolutely, yeah. there's a there's yeah, quite yeah, a big element of Bunny Kingdom where you're going not only all oh, which one of these do I want but which one of these do I not want the other player to have and certainly yeah. in the two-player game it's kind of a slightly different drafting system where you're playing one and discarding one which i also think works quite well obviously because for in that sort of two-player situation as well of not having the other person having that card that you think oh actually that's going to be perfect for them 
I did rack up quite a few of the parchment cards, and I think that's what, like you say, what won me the game, perhaps, because you had like one mega kingdom that got you loads and loads of points. Yeah. Whereas I'd gone for kind of a couple of little ones. I don't know. I thought I really, I really, really enjoyed it a lot more than perhaps I thought I was going to. And the theme is so cute. I really loved it. I love the theme. I think it. I think it's a really fantastic game, especially as yeah. a, if you played as a four player as well. I think it would be really great. Yes. I just think it was missing that edge that yeah. would have taken it into like a top tier cool game for me. But no, it was really, really no, fun. I, yeah, one we definitely I definitely recommend. Definitely recommend that one. It's good fun. It's a game I'd be keen to add to our collection. Yeah. Because I should say that all of the games we've played this month are ones we've played at Board Game Cafe. We Absolutely, don't actually yeah. own them, do we? So these are these are very much our first impressions as well. These are games that we've played like once or maybe twice. Anyway, so do you want to talk about Pandemic the Cure? Pandemic the Cure, yeah. Well, our first venture into the Pandemic-type spin-offs, apart from the Legacy games. Well, we've only really played the Legacy games, to be honest. <laughs> um, one of the main spin-offs of the Pandemic um, versions. This is the Dice game, which is Pandemic the Cure. Um, it's basically... it's. it's difficult and tricky and frustrating as actual pandemic but this time you just roll dice instead of yes. drawing from the epidemic deck <laughs> um, it's got some quite nice mechanics you'll get the different roles assigned to you again each player same as the usual game um, each player has their own set of custom dice which are a little bit different which again is quite exciting there's a lot of nice pretty dice um, they infect the world in a similar way to the, to the actual base game and I quite enjoyed it it's quite a lot of fun and it goes mm-hmm. a lot quicker than the normal pandemic yes. and, and keeps that difficulty level there yeah, I mean, it plays in around 30 minutes. That's yeah. an awful lot quicker than regular Panavid Hand quicker to set up. Yeah, as well. absolutely. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it too. I did feel it kind of diminished our experience a little of it, the fact that we played it so wrong in our first game because somehow it was easy. Yeah, we and missed we were one like, rule. Huh. Yeah, yeah, we, we didn't... Um, yeah, because when you're um, developing the serum, or I can't remember what the phrasing yeah, is called, so uh, you have to put one of the dice on top of it. So you're basically locking in a dice, which yeah. we weren't doing, which obviously... Yeah. It's obviously a lot harder if you've only got a set amount of dice remaining, and we yeah. had all of our dice to kind of reuse and that. So in the end, that one was really easy, and then so we replayed it again, following the correct rules. And obviously, got it was yeah, yeah, we got hammered, and it was more like the usual pandemic experience yeah. for us. But it's, it's good fun. It's quite nice. It keeps that set collection part going from the base game, um, and I think it's actually a lot less because the the main pandemic and the, the base game as well. I guess not legacy. What I, once you've played it, and we've heard, I've heard this a couple of times from other people, but I've played it on my phone a bit as well. Once you've played it a few times, it can be more of a puzzle. You kind of It's yes. solvable, in a way. With the dice factor, it does bring in probably a bit more luck. Yeah. And it's a bit less solvable than... Um, and I think that's what I like so much about Pandemic, is the puzzle aspect I've discovered. Yeah. Certainly, um, the more games we're playing, I think I really enjoy the games that are more like puzzles. I yeah. like that feeling of feeling, yeah. I'm feeling a bit clever here. We've yeah. come up with like a solution to something, yeah. which is why I think I like co-op games so much. But that being said, I do quite like a luck element as yeah, well. Yeah, it's and nice. I it like brings that. something different to yeah. it, doesn't it? And, it's and not for everyone. Although, no. although there, are some, there might be some bits where all the planning in the world won't get you anywhere with the cure, but it, it, I, I like it and it's a lot quicker and it still feels like pandemic, which is oh, the main thing, right? Yeah. The essence of pandemic. Yeah. The yeah. essence of a virus. Yeah, because the different characters have different skills, much like in pandemic and yeah. i like that i like yeah. nice. different roles that you can take on that's pretty good so another game we played this month was noir deductive mystery game Ooh. this is full title you said that <laughs> um, like it was seductive mystery game <laughs> I, know, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize what voice i was doing i'm like i quite liked it yeah it's a it's 2012 a small box collection of uh six different deduction games um they're mostly for two players 
one of the games I think apparently goes up to nine players the one we played was killer versus inspector but you're basically laying out these characters in like a 25 by 25 grid the 25 uh, by 25 25 huge. by 25 sorry massive you what it was. a huge table for this game 5 by 5 5 by 5 and so you've got like 25 uh, characters across the board and the killer adopts a identity from one of those 25 as does the inspector I believe because I was the killer Jane was the inspector and basically the killer has got to try and kill I can't remember how many 14 14 which is a really random number but hey either kill 14 others or kill the inspector and you're so you're killing adjacent um cards to yourself mm-hmm. and the inspector's job is to obviously catch the killer and so i suppose it plays out rather like a hidden movement game because you are kind of trying to move your way across the grid through various means whilst uh, trying to you're both trying to figure out which identity the other is the uh killer has the uh, ability to change his or her disguise so he can become other characters. So I don't think the inspector had that no. ability, did he? No. He was kind of basically stuck in stuck. whatever identity he was. But both are kind of uh, kept hidden, which is pretty good. So yeah, it does play out rather like a hidden movement game, which yep. I'm now discovering I am really, really pants Because <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one we played? Hunt for the Ring? Hunt for the Ring. Hunt yeah. for the Ring. I was terrible as Frodo in that. <laughs> and I was terrible as the killer in this. Because literally every time, Jamie was like, I know who I know who it is. I was on your trail pretty well. So. You were on my trail and I would then change to a new disguise before you could properly accuse me. Yeah. Uh, and you were like, for God's sake, I knew you were that person. Yeah, you changed identities changed. twice and I knew exactly yeah, who you were yeah, each yeah, time. Yeah. I was just... Because as the inspector, you can only... Same with the killer. So the killer can only kill characters adjacent to the yes. killer on the on the grid. And the inspector can only accuse someone adjacent to them of being the killer on yeah. the grid. So, so mouse, even if really. you know it is, yeah, you do need to move into it. And I didn't quite get to adjacent to Charlotte's characters, killers, before I could accuse them. And each time she changed her identity, I was like, that is exactly who I was going for. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at... Because I, I hardly killed anyone. Because I'm not very good at any any sort of moves in those sort of games where you're kind of fairly much declaring where you are. Yeah. And then I'm not very good at then getting away. And so I just sort of panic. I get into a bit of a flustered, <laughs> oh, I don't know what to do kind of mess. So I definitely think I'm better in the inspector role, maybe, yeah. maybe if we did ever try it again. Yeah. I'd prefer to be the inspector. But it was good. And it was, it was good, good for fun. just being a sixth of what's in that box. We didn't really I, see exactly. what else was in that box. No, we didn't. I think there's sort of, there's meant to be quite good variations on that kind of idea and like I say there's one for a lot more players but it was, it was quite a nice little thing it's quite a small little small box so yeah know, and I can good. see it's going back and trying one of the other games yeah, yeah definitely because they're so quick as well like it would take us about 15 minutes maybe uh, yep. push. probably less because I was terrible <laughs> but <laughs> no it was, it was good fun definitely I think it would, like you say we'd try try another one of those do you want to talk about Baron Park? I think you should talk about Baron Park. Oh, okay. Yeah, I will talk about Baron Park. Because this one, we played it yesterday, actually. And we were sort of discussing it quite a bit afterwards. Because we were kind of a little bit divided by it. But basically, um, Baron Park is a 2017 uh, game by Lookout Games. Um, and it's a tile placement game for two to four players. Um, so each player is trying to, trying to build their own bear park trying to make it as beautiful uh, as it can whilst using every square meter possible um so the game ends when a player has filled up their park and then the players tally points to see who's won <laughs> in many ways it's rather similar to patchwork patchy elements yeah 
but you can play it for more people. Obviously, the theming is quite different. And like I say, we were a little bit divided on it. Well, I think that might be a bit harsh because you did enjoy it. it. You did enjoy it. But shall we say what I liked maybe and then what you didn't like? I, well, for a start, I really liked the the theming the artwork and the design it's a very very pretty game and i'm quite easily won over by those sort of things i quite liked it's a quite a different different uh mechanism for picking up tiles than it is in patchwork and i did actually quite like that i like that much like in patchwork yes you have to have it sort of on a tile next to an existing tile you already had but you could be quite clever and because it works on the basis of you kind of covering a um like a little square on your park and that will allow you to pick up a piece from a different area so if you cover if you cover the orange digger you get to take a piece from the orange digger area if you take the construct cover construction workers you get to take another park area to add to your board expanding your board and I like the whole when you're covering when you've covered a kind of one of your little grids that make up your full park area, you pick up a little bear statue to put on your pit. And I quite liked with the pits as well. I, I really like that whole idea of you can't cover the pit, so it kind of restricts yeah. what you're covering. And I like the kind of race to fill individual squares. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I kind of found it a little bit easier for my brain to do than uh, patchwork, and I don't know why. Um, but I like an awful lot that it's got that kind of patchwork feel, but you can play it up to four players, which yeah. I think it, and it's simple enough for people to learn because it was far less. I, I think I had it a bit confused in terms of what sort of game it would be. I thought it would be a bit more um, of a sort of challenging complex game from what I'd seen about it online. I don't know why. I thought there was a bit more in terms of maybe economy. Perhaps I kind of got it a little bit confused in ways with kind of almost like a dinosaur island kind of you're building up your bear park. Yeah. And I think I took that a little bit literally in terms of, ah, oh, you're building up a park as opposed to, ah, oh, you're kind of making it a really cramped bear park. Yeah. <laughs> Probably wouldn't pass any safety regulations yeah. or whatever. But um, I like that it's sort of, it's a sort of game that I could introduce to kind of family and friends relatively simply. It's not going to be, it's not an overly complex game yeah. yeah absolutely i think i think it's a really good game i think it's definitely an accessible sort of gateway into those sort of games especially when i think it probably will play better with four players yeah with two i think if you say like this and bunny kingdom i think my complaints against each are probably quite similar they're just okay. lacks but i think i prefer bunny kingdom because it's still okay. got a bit more like granularity to it with the baron park i think it was just it, it, yeah it wasn't exactly what i was expecting it was maybe just uh, it didn't quite grip me as much as other games i think mm. it's absolutely i think i think it's a good game and i'd yes. recommend buying it and playing it um is it one that i think for me i tend to like games that i think about outside of the game a bit more yeah. patchwork i would always think about oh i can do this and this baron park but kingdom i would probably think about oh i could do this and this and this baron park meh. i played it it was fun i forgot about it but because it just didn't have that one other level of in it but don't you think it affected you a little bit that you and you admitted it yourself kind of played it a little bit wrong for the first few times? i did the first time or two because I was, I was thinking all oh, right i need to build up my park so i can eventually pick up these really big bits forgetting the fact that from the very from turn one you can pick up the most expensive tile on the board 
Yeah, when you say part. expensive tires, you mean like the ones oh, that work the, the most. The, yeah, you, you, on, the, on the very first turn, yeah. if you put your first, and you can put your first like one square, two square thing anywhere on your park, and if you cover the right tile, which is on everyone's starter board, you can go in and pick up like the, the one nine or ten point piece available to you and put it on your park straight away. And to me, that threw me off a little bit at the start. Yeah, but I mean, I got into the flow of it, and it was very fun, and I think it's a good game. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think it's something that maybe needs a few repeat plays, surely, though, because it, there are different tactics you can go for in much in the vein, I think, of patchwork. Because you could either race to try and get one of the bear statues that would... Because yeah. they, they're worth an awful lot of points, the ones yeah. at the higher end of that. So the quicker you complete that kind of area, you're done. And you, you did it... <laughs> Um, you picked up a lot of what are they called the green the toilets green pocket. It's basically <laughs> Jamie picked up loads of the toilets, which Honestly, are the only single space pieces, that was all, where was it? and that's what screwed me over in the end because I was literally like, yes, I'm going to fill all my park areas and it'll be the game over, and then we can count up the things. I was stuck for about like about three more turn, four more turns after that because I literally only had one square left on the board, and we were out of toilets. Yeah. And so, therefore, I just had to keep passing and passing, which was the th- thing I wasn't taking on because I felt like it's like, oh, I, I get that that's a part of the game, that's a tactic. You could make sure there's no of a certain piece left. But I didn't like the fact that I was kind of just forced to kind of pass and just keep picking up tiles that I couldn't place anywhere. I was yeah. just kind of going, okay, pass, 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 pass. But then, like you say, like, it could be a tactic in some way, not one that you really have any control over. So I can kind of see your point I guess it's more the fact that I think it would probably be a lot more fun with four players and I think yes. as a two player game it wasn't as tight a two player game as some no. of the other really good two player well, games we played and Patchwork I mean it's easy to compare the two because obviously the, the similarities there yeah. and I think if you have Patchwork and Baron Park like side by side your Patchwork it depends on what you play I think I think ultimately there's a place for both of them in your collection oh, yeah. no doubt um, for me, Patchwork is the better purely two-player experience. Yeah. But if you want a game that you can play with other people from time to time, then Baron Park's kind of got yeah. that it can offer. And one thing we haven't really mentioned, it, but we didn't play with, was the... Um, what oh, the achievements, yeah. So the achievements, similar to like we were saying earlier with Running Kingdom, except you, this in this game, I think you're supposed to start with two or three secret hidden ones. And you are working towards those goals for extra points in the end of the game. We didn't play with them because we just, just, we, just basic we played the basic one, game first, and we yeah. probably could have thrown them and not really been flummoxed, to be honest. No. But I think they would definitely add, especially in the two-player game, add a little extra element. Um, but I think yeah, they probably would improve the game a bit playing with those anyway. Yeah, it's certainly a game that I'd be interested in adding to our collection. Absolutely, yeah, me too. But I wouldn't mind trying again with those kind of objectives. Yeah. To see how to see how they sort of change the game, maybe. Yeah, I don't want to put a pun on the game, but at some point it was Baron Park because I just didn't <laughs> feel there was enough going on. But I think with the achievements and more players, mm. it would be a very good game. And I, I, even now, I'd say recommend it. Definitely play it. Maybe buy it. Yeah. But I think it's a good game. Yeah, maybe it needs a couple more plays, but yeah. Anyway, well, um, moving on then to Century Spice Road. Do you want to talk about that? Century Spice Road, one of. Uh, the um, there was a 2017 release yeah. from Plan B Games. I think they're doing a trilogy of these because they got the um, I, I read about that Golem earlier. edition, and then they're doing another one next year. Wasn't it Golem? Golem, Golem. No, Golem's like the Lord Golem's of the Rings. Lord thing, of the Rings. <laughs> Just trading little Golems everywhere. Yeah, I think the Golem, Golem. one's got little uh, crystals as yes. opposed to the little 
Cubes. Cubes. And they're doing another one next year. Um, anyway, so this is a game where um, each player, I think it plays one to, I think you can play one player actually, it's one to four, um, or maybe one to six. Um, players, you are spice traders, um, and you're basically got a caravan with cubes of four different spices, and you're kind of trying to trade and upgrade uh, all these spices to eventually make these big trades that gain you victory points and coins. Um, you do this by kind of hiring merchants, which help you kind of trade and upgrade these spices. You can, for instance, change like three yellow cubes of basic cubes into like three red cubes. Even, they're just better cubes, better spices. <laughs> you can change some of the, what was it, turmeric into saffron, or you can upgrade one of them all the way to brown, which was cinnamon, I think. Um, and, and yeah, you take it by turns, you have the action cards, you play the cards down, and then um, you don't get to pick them up straight away, you need to take a turn to rest later on in the game to pick up all the cards you have played. Um, and it's basically a race to complete um, five or six of these deals, um, and then once you've done that, that is the end of the game, and you count up all your points. Quite quick, quite easy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Quite good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I... I have to admit, after kind of sleeping on it, because this is another one we played yesterday, um, I found it hard for my brain to kind of necessarily process the kind of ways of changing your cubes to other cubes. and Like, as in planning. Mm-hmm. I find it a lot easier in things like Seven Wonders Jewel or whatever to be like, right, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for this. That That's that. Whereas this yeah. one, I felt like I was doing a lot of changing cubes into other cubes and then kind of going oh actually I'm relatively near that now if I do that I'll be able to get that victory point card I think I it's a game I really really enjoyed but I think I'm going to need a couple more games of it before I kind of settle into a bit more of a rhythm with it but I think it's a it's um a game with time you know it's a game I think that's definitely worth adding yeah I think it's got a good flow to it because I think and I think I maybe know that flow a bit quicker than you did maybe because yeah, it's you it. you've got the merchant cards which are the cards that are like basically the tricks that you can do to upgrade or trade and change cards and then you've got the the trades and I think the early part of the game is making sure you get merchant cards that link in together really well and you may only need, need to buy like three or four of yeah. these so I know I think yeah. my, I think I had a good engine going where yeah. I had one card that gave me four yellows, which was more than the initial yes. card for two, and then I had a card that changed those three yellows into three reds, and then another one that changed those three reds into one of each of the other colors. Yeah, and so I knew I could kind of get what I wanted, and and I had that triple upgrade card as well, I think. Um, but I think it was really fun. It kind of yes. reminded me of like Jaipur with cubes in a way. Um, again, it's quite sort of close little, nice little simple mechanics, really basic mechanics, trading game, but was a bit tense. Maybe not as tense as maybe Jaipur. I think Jaipur is really always close. And especially Jaipur is like the mystery scoring as well. So you're never quite sure how many points you're stuck, you're stuck, you're stuck on. Yeah. Um, See, for, my, for me, it reminded me more of Lords of Waterdeep. Oh, yeah. I, in terms of, ah, well, you're generating all these different kind of cube colours. Yeah. <laughs> and you need different combinations of those cubes to complete the quest yeah. rather like completing the victory cards in this game. Yeah, you could reskin it quite easily. Yeah. Those merchants as different traders or like as different yeah, you know, people. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Like I say, though, warrants perhaps a couple more plays for me to settle into it a bit more, discover the different tactics maybe that are yeah. on offer. Yeah. But yeah, very enjoyable. I think it was good. And I, but I, th- and I think the, the Golem edition mm-hmm. would probably be um, even better because I know that game comes with better components than this mm. one. It has yeah. bowls and stuff. 
It comes with bowls. No, well, I think actually, no, I think Spice Road is supposed to come with the spice bowls, or maybe the deluxe edition comes with spice bowls to hold the cubes in. Fancy. And the the Golem edition comes with you know jewels or rocks. Yeah, or I think people do like bear. prefer. Some people definitely prefer the little crystal gems. Yeah. That you get with that as opposed to the cubes to represent spices. Yeah, but no, it's really nice. Quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it's good. Just to finish off. Got quite a nice little light-hearted game here that we played at the end of our little gaming session yesterday. We did, yeah. Uh, called Roll for It. Uh, it's the deluxe edition. Um, <laughs> Which means yeah. it comes in a tin. <laughs> yes, <laughs> fancy tin. Um, actually, yeah, it also means you can play with more players. That's what I learned. Oh, okay. The oh, base version go. is two to four, maybe. Oh, okay. This is two to, two to eight. Yeah. So it's a dice rolling game for two to eight players. Um, basically, each player starts the game with six dice of a single colour. And you'll lay out three target cards that are laid face up on the table. They'll have things like three uh, dice that show five, uh, one card that'll have a one, a two, and a three on it. And uh, players will take turns to roll their dice, and then they'll try and match up the values with those on the cards in order to claim the cards. It's pretty much literally as simple as that, isn't it? Because each card is worth a certain number of points, and the first player to earn 40 or more wins. It's very simple, very family friendly. Yep, and 10, good, 15 minutes. Just good, simple fun. Yeah. Like, if you just want something really, like, just light and dice rolly, then it's quite a fun little game and yeah. very transportable, very little portable game, I yeah. would say. And quite addictive in some yeah, ways. It was, yeah, I was, we I was played, we played three games <laughs> quite quickly in half an hour, I think, if that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's not too much to probably say about it, is no, it's it? Quite, it's just, it's, if you need a game that game. takes a short amount of time, that's easy for even your nan to get. Um, oh, good, yeah. You yeah. know, it's like... Nan, what, small children. Got two, a... That little instruction book is probably like a eight size or something like that. It's about three pages of that instruction. It's probably about four sentences worth of instructions. Um, two minutes to learn, ten minutes to play. Easy. Easy, really fun. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Big fan. Okay, so out of those, though, which one would you say is your favourite, Jamie? I would say that out of the games we've just discussed, probably Bunny Kingdom does edge it. I would say the same. Yeah. yeah. I think it's definitely my favourite, although I I really enjoy Baron Park as well. And I'd, but I'd say both both of them, in fact, are ones that I'd be keen to play Absolutely. again. And it's quite interesting because this is probably one of the months where the list of games we're talking about, none of them are crafted only for two players. So we've yes. often had like Giant Bird, Jewel patchwork things like that that are all two player specific so this month is very much a two I mean apart from Noir um, which yes. is quite a small game anyway so I wouldn't I wouldn't say the point's huge most of these are like two plus games designed for yeah, yeah. more but Funny have Kingdom, two player Parts, and, and, for it. Um, and I think so it's quite interesting because I mean a lot of my criticisms there have been quite negative about a lot of those games but I think that makes you appreciate what the two player only games do yes. in making those mechanics really tight and interesting where sometimes the two plus games like this mm. do have to make some sort of balanced tweaks I guess for the smaller player number but yeah Bunny Kingdom I think would be my favourite we played out of those games yeah, there definitely it's really good fun yeah and I think it plays well at a two player count I think yeah perhaps, perhaps more so that Baron Park yeah but it'd be interesting to play with more at some point if we can absolutely <laughs> um and I don't suppose I think it, with both of those the theming are things that you can get other people into Absolutely, quite easily. Yeah, who doesn't quite love bunnies and bears? Yeah. So um, before we move on to Gallable Gamer, I was just going to ask, what kind of games are you kind of excited to play next? What kind of new games would you like to 
play next month? I've picked three. Oh, okay. I'll try to do a bit of variation here. Yeah. So I've said, firstly, Pandemic Iberia. Oh, so I quite enjoy the cure. And Iberia has got gets quite good sort of reviews. Um, I think it'd be quite interesting to play that. It's just got a nice strategic element as well as the tactical stuff we usually get in Pandemic. So it seems quite interesting. Um, I said Carcassonne. Because mm-hmm. I've only played that once. You never played it. It's a I've massive gateway game. It. And I think it plays really well with two players. And it's quite nice, easy pick up and play game. That'd be fun. And then I put Legend of the Five Rings. So I had put Android Netrunner uh-huh. in here. Because, you know, it looks interesting. But Legend of the Five Rings, I might have more chance of getting you to play than Netrunner. You reckon? Because it's, it's cool. It's set like Asian dynasties fighting against each other politically and on the battlefield. It looks a bit more accessible than Netrunner is. And a bit, a bit okay. simpler to play. And the art is really nice and luscious as well. So, you know, I mean, I, I am quite, quite simple. <laughs> <laughs> and I do like a good bit of artwork. So it does we, sound we like... We get the figure to go to Coffee and Dice and pick up Legend of Fiber and go to play it rather than go there and play Netrunner. Okay. Because I think the rules are a bit quicker to get around. Fair enough. What about Fair you? Um, for me, um, I, I've also kind of picked three, although technically speaking it's four. <laughs> um, I'm really... I'd really quite like to play um, Above and Below... Or near and far, because <laughs> I've heard great things about both those games. Um, but if, if anyone wants to recommend one over the other to me, like let me know. Tweet on. Which yeah, drop, drop us a tweet because um, I'm not sure which one's probably best to try first. Um, but both look really good. Um, quite story telling you games, which I yeah. quite like. Generally speaking, Pioneer Days is another one I've seen crop up a few times now on social media. And lastly, I really enjoyed this month's game of Pandemic Legacy Season 2 that we played. It was by far the best one we played this year, our May game. And I'm so I've added to this list the June game or games of Pandemic Legacy Season 2 because I'm really excited excited to see where it goes. Should be excited. Should be good. Oh, right. So oh. now on to Gullible Gamer, where I won brilliantly last month with my fake game that I made up. <laughs> so in Gullible Gamer, I will present Charlotte with three different board games based on around a central theme. And I'll give a brief description of each one. And Charlotte has to get, guess which one isn't actually a game. Okay. Last month, I failed spectacularly. Um, so let's just have a quick listen to see how things went down. The fake one is... Board Goat Farmer. Oh, no way! Yep. Is that actually... Yep. I looked up a specific type of goat for South Africa. <laughs> oh, no! So I smugly corrected you. You smugly corrected me, just when I was about to look it up. Oh, I, I looked God. up a specific goat just for the, you know, the title and the theme of the game because I thought that type of accuracy would make it look... Oh, and that really backfired. Okay. And that backfired, <laughs> I mean, I was going to create a fake game called, like, um, Toad's Goats. Yeah. It's actually a game on Board Game Geek, so I didn't want to do that. Oh. <laughs> That's amazing. Board Goat Farmer. Oh. So I, I win that game then, clearly. You do. Uh-oh. You You're went for Goats on Boats. That's... Okay. Oh, man. I thought I'd actually got that. I flummoxed. <laughs> yep. No. You, you have to check my search history. There's Wikipedia. There's Board Goat. South Africa Goat. Oh my god. <laughs> so the score is 1-0 so far, uh, but I'm looking to change that. Uh, so last time the theme was goats. Um, is there a theme this time? Um, There is. A th- the theme this time is food. Oh yay! Love food. Food, okay. How should we get at this one? Um, so in no particular order, these are your three games Okay. this month. Okay, the first one is called Eggs, and it's got three exclamation points. 
So I think it's more like eggs. <laughs> really emphasize. Eggs. Uh, which yeah. makes the following sentence quite hard to say. In eggs. <laughs> each player rolls their eggs into the centre of a board shaped like a frying pan with points scored for the closest egg to certain targets. And the targets are the yolks of the fried eggs that are on the frying pan. Um, it sounds easy, but as each player token is shaped like an actual egg, rolling it accurately is not as simple as it seems. There you go. That's no. eggs. Okay. The next one is called, um, well, the German name is Schnapp de Wurst, um, which actually stands for Catch the Sausage. Um, each player is a dog <laughs> and rolls a dice in order to put a washing line of sausages towards them to eat. Whoever accidentally eats a sock has to return a previously eaten sausage. Most sausages eaten at the end of the game wins. The final game is the big fat tomato game. Okay. Each player tries to harvest as many tomatoes as it can while defending their tomato patch from intruders such as weeds, bugs and tomato zombies. Biggest haul of tomatoes at the end of the game wins. So that's not plants versus zombies then? No, it's the big fat tomato <laughs> game. Oh, I can't even. Those games are just... Again, the titles are Eggs! Schnapp Diverse, which is Catch the Sausage, or The Big Fat Tomato Game. Oh, Schnapp Diverse sounds amazing. <laughs> it literally sounds like my uh, sister's dog <laughs> in that game will literally eat anything. Um... Oh my god, where do I even begin with those games? I know. I really want to play the first two. Can you remind <laughs> me what... Sorry, the sec- the third one, rather. What was... The Big Fat Tomato yes. game. Uh, each player tries to harvest as many tomatoes as they can while defending their tomato patch from intruders, such as weeds, bugs, and tomato zombies. Biggest haul of tomatoes at the end of the game wins. So, which do you think is uh, not a game? Not a game... Like number one sounds like a a kids game, so plausible. Eggs. <laughs> Fairly plausible. Number two Snap diverse. With every time we've done this so far, there's always been one game I really, really wanted to try. And <laughs> Snap Diverse is this week's Hey Whatever, there's a there's a what was it in my roof for last time? There's a gold on my hey, roof. Hey Pa, there's a gold on the roof. Yes. Which I really wanted to play last time. <laughs> and Schnapp Diverse is this time. And so I, I always never want to Catch pick that sausage. one because I just really want it to be real. <laughs> so I'm going to go for the third one. The Big Fat Tomato the Game. The Big Fat Tomato Game. So you think the Big Fat Tomato no, Game No, actually, because you were really good at coming up with, like... like You did research last time, didn't you? I did into research like this time. goat stuff. Schnapp Diverse. Is that something... <laughs> it's I not Schnapp, like it's Schnapp Diverse. Schnapp Diverse. Sounds like Slapper the Bass Man, which is literally Slapper like the, the favourite line Slapper from a film <laughs> that you love with Paul Rudd. Um, oh, so I'm kind of inclined to say that one now because I feel I'm like that's the sort of one you I'm going to have to push you for a final answer. Okay, fine. I'm going to say number two. I've changed Snapper my mind. You've gone for Snapper the first. Yes. The actual fake game is eggs. Is it actually? <laughs> the one you never suspected. <laughs> Why does this always happen? I never suspect the one that... Oh, oh. Oh. See, Damn now, it. Eggs in the first draft was a set collection game, but I thought, no, that sounds far too gamey, so I changed it to Rolling you know Eggs. What? When you were saying I was briefly thinking it could be that one purely because we've been playing a game called Push It, which we haven't really actually talked about this month. We will oh, talk yeah. about next month, which is basically kind of shuffling pucks towards yep. things. And so that did kind of make me think oh, okay. of that. I was like, oh, it does sound a little bit like you're shuffling, like shuffling a thing towards a puck. Kind of. And I kind of thought, huh. But then I sort of just thought, mm. oh, it kind of sounds like a plausible family kids game. No, so Schnapp Diverse really no, is a 2002 uh, German game. I thought you'd done your German research. And the Big Fat Tomato game is actually a uh, 2012 game. Is it really? 
Um, Schnapdiverse clearly looks like the better game. But, um, have you got a picture of it there? Oh uh, yeah, so this is a big fat tomato game here. Um, wow. And so I don't know which is highest actually. This is ranked 12,286 okay. on Geek currently. Schnapdiverse is uh, actually ranked... Uh, oh, it doesn't have a rank. Been <laughs> That's so always a good sign. <laughs> um, but that is Schnapdiverse there. So. I am going to try and hunt that down because that and is... Look at oh that my dice God, that with a sausage incredible. on. I mean, oh, well, I mean, I didn't even look at the pictures. Um, I thought it was like a metaphorical. This has actually got a clothesline and pegs on it for the hot dog sausages to fall in. So that's very so impressive. If anyone wants to send us Schnapp Diverse to review, uh, <laughs> get in contact. We'll gladly do it. We will gladly play that. So I make that 2 0 then. That's, oh, I'm never going to win. Nil. I'm just not. I'm not very good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the added bonus of being able to see your face as well. Like, and, and it still doesn't. Ha- I still just can't tell when you're ocean fibbing. of zen. This face. Yeah, I can't read faces. My bad. So moving on to our last little kind of discussion before the end of the podcast, I wanted to talk about our board gaming bugbears. Bugbears. Ah. Okay. So I thought it'd be good to talk about some of our uh, board gaming pet peeves, kind of little grumbles and niggles that rub you up the wrong way in an otherwise wonderful hobby so the big one for me one thing that will really grind my gears is rule books that are a little confusing or poorly written or poorly proofread or yeah I guess and without really I don't really want to focus on one specifically but I still can't get over our time stories experience which was largely ruined by the fact it doesn't explain to you what happens if you die in the third run through of the game if you all die what happens it doesn't tell you so we just assumed right well that's it then you stop whereas actually as you find out when you go online or whatever you just continue keep coming back to life essentially until you finish the game yeah but we'd already basically started packing up by then yeah so it just kind of i hate anything that makes you go takes you out the moment and go I really actually don't know what I'm meant to be doing in this one moment. And that was kind of actually my one issue with Baron Park because I didn't actually know what was meant to happen if... Because it says for you in that, if you pass, you um, pick up uh, a tile yeah. and you can use that on your next turn. Yeah. But it didn't really say what could happen if you couldn't place any tiles yeah. at all. But I don't think that was a particularly poor rule book. But I don't like anything that really takes you out that moment. Yeah. It makes you go, hang on, got to consult the rules for five to ten minutes. And it kind of slows the flow of a game down. Yeah. It just, it just find it frustrating. Although Time Stories and the next thing on this as well, Statecraft in general, yes. have disappointing rule books. Disappointing anyway. rule books. Time Stories was not a good instruction when I didn't, before that moment. And we love Great Western Trail, but and the rule book is really in-depth and detailed, but it's not clearly... I don't necessarily think it's clearly laid out in such a way that it's easy to know what you perfect, need. No, it just there's something a bit perhaps lacking in that, and I feel it's unfair because it's such a great game. Um, also with that one's more so, it's in dire need of player raids. There's so yeah, many it, different things. Any game that a lot of iconography on like that needs that player needs raid. A player raid. It doesn't have it. There are great one. I think it's great when you can find them, like yeah. Board Game Geek. You've printed off before. Yeah. Um, but I feel like as a rule, player raids should be like in a fact, necessary component. Even in actually, Eldritch is vastly improved by that third expansion we picked up. The came yes, with the player raid. It came with player raids because. With that, with the reckoning, you we often used to be like we had oh, instruction manuals yeah, you have the, all the time on the table, right? But with Eldritch, what I like with that, it has a reference book as well, which I think yeah. is a really great way of doing things as well. Of going, ah, oh, okay, monsters, flip to the monster bit, 
and there it is, rather than going through the entire rule Yeah, Fantasy I like Flight that. just made it the best. It does really good. Yeah, they've got really references. good. It's the same for X Wing and the other uh, the other games we're looking but at. But yeah, no, the um, player gave for that guy for the ugh, player aid for that makes it even easier because you're going right, okay, reckoning. Let's have a look at the reckoning order. It's got yeah, it all on there. Good, Perfect. I love a good player aid. Yeah, it's really pa- good. Pandemic. Um, there's a good player aid. Legacy's got a good player aid. The Cure that we played has a good player aid. Um, yeah, just just helps infinitely, doesn't it? Cool. Um, another one of mine I've literally written um, Jenga aka Charlotte's personal hell I felt <laughs> like I needed to mention this isn't really a Don't like Jenga, I just I had to air my frustrations with Jenga as a game some people think Monopoly is like the worst yeah. board game for me Jenga is worse because of just the sound of it like <laughs> if you're going to a board game cafe it's just so frustrating <laughs> when people play like giant Jenga as well <laughs> oh, that's horrendous when it just comes all clattering down on the yeah. table I'm particularly sensitive and fussy about sounds and that game is literally like just makes me want to yep. scream it's a very loud <gasps> game isn't it it's just oh, such yeah. a loud game people will get loud playing it and I'm trying to focus on Baron Park <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking but yeah so I just had to have a mini rant about that that's not technically really <laughs> shouldn't be there but needed to end my frustrations with that game because why why does it even exist um, I've um, put on the list here oh, um, yeah. bad component trays Ooh. this only really refers to maybe one game we own Arctic Scavengers where you can't you've got inserts where you can put the cards in but you put the cards in and then you can't put the lid on and it's just the only way to fix it is by trimming the plastic thing down which is just horrible <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 is a bug where that grinds yeah. my gears, and it's probably a few other games that could probably use some sort of insert. Yes, than, I mean there's a lot of games. Yeah, well, but... this is it. You can go and get really great inserts out okay. there, but I shouldn't feel like you need to with certain oh, games, no. should you? You shouldn't have to go out and buy. No admittedly beautiful inserts at some places do now. Yeah, but, but some just don't do it very well. No, and <laughs> I agree with you there. That is definitely a big one for me as well, actually. Um, I. Another one for me is um, I've written components that are too similar in colour slash design. And you kind of questioned me on this yesterday because I wrote, because I was thinking more in terms of Fog of Love. There's one that's, uh, there's like a token or an icon that's purple with a specific icon in it and one that's black with a little icon in it. And you were kind of like, they're not that similar, Charlotte. But when they're on teeny tiny cards... It's really hard to identify because they're, they're meant to represent kind of personality aspects. I've got them muddled up before and like ended up doing, going through, choosing the wrong option based on that, based on that kind of quick glance. And I just wish they were just so slightly a bit more different in colour. I don't know. And I know it seems like a tiny nitpick, but I imagine for people, more an issue for people with colour blindness, it's, uh, that must drive people nuts for certain games because I, I think... It's, I think it might be Sagrada that's a particularly bad one for oh, yeah. colourblind. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it, it must just drive people nuts that when artwork is kind of prioritised over accessibility. Yeah. Absolutely. That's just my thoughts. Two, my two cents on that. And similar to that, actually, design that gets in the way and makes it harder slash slower to play a game. So, like, crowd, overly crowded or busy boards that make you kind of have to sit there and peer at it for God knows how long trying yeah. to find... Make sure you've found everything that needs to be like it was our one gripe really with Professor Eva on the Citadel of Time that it was overly there's yeah. so much going on that it was really hard to find which switch you had left unlocked or locked yeah. on the board yeah. so yeah and you... s- similar to that I popped tiny currency <laughs> <laughs> yes the patchwork buttons and the first civilization the board game we had had such oh. 
tiny God. weeny components yeah that, um just just it just bugs me I, I mean i would like those buttons to be bigger and patchwork <laughs> well this is just it with a lot of these games you can buy replacement kind of components can't you like sure, with seven wonders those. jewel you can get the the nice metal versions of the coins oh, the jewel coins the jewel coins are I think decently right. sized they are fine the buttons patchwork are a bit buttons more that, the, the yeah. tokens in civilization the world yeah, there's little culture yeah, tokens those those little gold tiny. things that is just horrendous and they're not only a pain to pop out all of those things from the cardboard but oh, well, that's just, a great bit of a game oh come horrible. on when you say it, oh, that's fun that to pop like a little bit an hour to pop out the rest of civilization uh, just it bugs me and they're so small as well you can easily lose them or misplace them or lose them on in between slats on a table or something, something yeah, ridiculous true um, just what bowls are for just, Jamie get little bowls I mean, guess, yeah, maybe for that kind of bowls. maybe that's an easy way around that one but I don't know but no I definitely agree with you those little buttons are deeny tiny deeny tiny <laughs> deeny tiny for your man deeny hands deeny. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we um we kind of asked around on Twitter and Instagram stories uh, what your board gaming pet peeves are and a one that really came up was phone use at the games table it definitely seems to be kind of the big one the lovely team over at Our Turn Podcast said, smartphone use at the gaming table. When you're trying to delve into a gaming world and you have to keep surfacing to tell someone it's their turn or they keep pulling you out to tell you something funny they found on Facebook, it's distracting and disorientating. And I can totally agree with that and where yep. they come from. It's not something we necessarily face ourselves when yeah. we're playing as two players particularly. But, and it's... One where for me, I do like keep my phone near the game table because where we do the blog and the podcast and all sorts, I do like to take photo of the game. Yep. But I try and make sure it's at the end of a game or at a suitable pause at the game if we're both, say, taking a photo of it. Yep. And beyond that, uh, yes, I would try, I would not, I wouldn't, I think it's really quite rude. In fact, if you're, if you were having your turn and I was like on my phone, just yep. on Twitter, on facebook or whatever i think that's quite disrespectful yeah. to the people you're playing with and it's not something i would do but i can totally see if you're in a bigger great gaming group especially how frustrating that would be because a lot of the and a lot of people do quite like playing board games to distance themselves from kind of the digital yeah, online yeah. world it's nice offline time and it must be frustrating if someone's like oh yeah did you see this really cute cat video you're like not now we're yep. playing bunny kingdom absolutely we've got cute bunnies exactly mm-hmm. um i also kind of scouted around on reddit actually to see what some of the <laughs> the other ones there are that people find frustrating um there's really card bending seems to be people's big big gripe and it actually reminds me there's a um, semi co-op do these really good uh, funny board game comics oh, okay and um they've got a really good one called like board game horrors and it's done like an like a horror style movie poster okay, yeah. and it's got uh cheeto finger girl and like card bending man okay, on it yeah. <laughs> it was really good i think they've actually made it they're making them as t-shirts now oh, okay. it's really funny <laughs> i really like that one uh, so it reminded me an awful lot of that um thankfully we're very good with our cards yeah, I don't think we, but yeah i think that definitely winds people up anyone that's like bending flex it oh my yeah. gosh i would like yeah, if i was playing with people i didn't know i'd be like this is my game don't destroy it please yeah. unless it's a legacy game feel free <laughs> but um the other ones that came up quite a bit are well on similar veins i suppose sore losers uh and slow players yeah definitely um and i can see that i can see why and people that don't pay attention during rules explanations slash insist 
that they will learn as they go. Now, I feel kind of bad with the last three. I think they're all three are things that I'm prone to from time to time. So I'm a bit worried I'm someone's <laughs> nightmare player. I will, I will say that I'm not actually bad definitely my biggest issue out of the th- like the, the one i'm more prone to out of the three of those is being slow i'm a definite sufferer of um analysis paralysis i think i'm prone to taking a while on my turns which i think is a good thing which is fine, it's a good yeah. thing to do but i think it was one time you mentioned where you're like you took like 15 minutes on that 18, one, 18, 18 minutes on one turn on great western trail <laughs> that's, i know I've, I've that stuck with me and i am really trying my hardest to <laughs> be quicker it's quite good because <laughs> while once... you're taking your turn i'm thinking well i'm done on my turn so when it comes exactly. around to me again, I'm like, done <laughs> exactly <laughs> back to me <laughs> yeah but that's half the problem you're so quick on your turns so i'm going oh jesus I've, only... <laughs> I've thought through barely thought through my plan at all so um and i know i do sometimes phase out during rules explanations i am the sort of person that finds it hard to kind of process what's being told but i, I think the way around that as well is try and watch there's loads of great kind of yeah, awesome explanation YouTube, yeah. YouTube videos now yeah. for that and I think that's a great way for someone that perhaps learns better through visual learning <laughs> and that's so I try and if it's something I know we're playing in advance I will look it up online and yeah. that will help Sorted. a little bit right well I think we should probably end the podcast there for this month so yeah I hope you enjoyed it uh, if you did maybe subscribe And if you're feeling extra generous and wonderful, uh, maybe leave us a review on iTunes. We'd be very grateful. We also run a blog, obviously, with game reviews on it, which is, um, you know, which is great. Um, uh, Competitivecouple.com. So please go check it out. We've got a couple of new reviews this month. Uh, One on Jaipur this month and one on... Wasn't it just Jaipur? There was one on Jaipur this month. Uh, Effective and efficient reviewing going on there. Um, there'll be a couple more coming up this month hopefully if I get my uh, writing fingers on um, I had a good review as well of what we played this month again in, in the written form on the website yeah. Um, so um, yeah yeah uh, and we're also on Twitter at competitive duo and Instagram at a competitive couple so come and say hi and we'll say bye and we will month. say bye <laughs> for this month uh, so see you in June see you in June The music in this podcast is all courtesy of Kevin McLeod at IncomTech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons. The track used in this episode was Oblivion 